Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Howdy, everybody. How are we? (laughs) Are you uh, ready to have some fun today? All right, I'm going to need your full-on participation, all right? All right, my name is The Brant. It's really just Brant, but it's fun to say The Brant. So uh, as far as I know, I'm the only one. My brother's name is Peter, Cephas, Rock, right? And on this rock, I will build my church. And he is that kind of person, that solid rock kind of person. And my sister's name is Sherry, and I don't actually know what Sherry means, but I know it's a cool way they came about her name. We're Swedish, and they wanted to name my sister Shearston. But it's kind of Kirsten is how you spell it. And in Swedish, the K makes the S-H. So they went with Sherry uh, to have that. And then my name is Brant. (laughs) I don't know what it means. It's something like a bump on a hill or something like that uh, in terms of all that. But my little buddy, Adon, he asked me, he said, hey, what does your name mean? And I'm quick on my feet. And I said, it means, boy, I can't wait to see that guy again. And so then as I was leaving, he said, boy, I can't wait to see you again. (laughs) So I thought that was good. All right, uh, let's pray before we get started here, shall we? God, thanks so much for your goodness. Thanks for your joy. Thanks for your passion in seeking us out. I love that uh, your goodness is running after me. What a great picture of you just chasing us down with your goodness uh, and your strength Uh, Be with us here today, be with the message, be with our safety, be with everything that's happening with us, God. Uh, Help us to know that everyone in this building is loved, and most importantly, God, that you love them. Amen. All right, so some number of years ago, Cephas, or Peter, my brother, uh, was uh, doing a camp. He was in college, and he went down to Virginia Beach, and he was kind of doing a camp, right, for kids, and he was running that, and had some other camp friends and whatnot, and there was one guy in particular, Kelly, and Kelly had, I don't know all the particulars of the story exactly, but Kelly had a Jeep, I believe, and they were driving around on weekends when they didn't have, you know, to be in cabins or whatever, and they'd drive around all these back roads, and they're driving around places and all sorts of things, just getting along really well, doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and one day, they're driving around, woo, woo, right, the lights flash, and they're like, oh, no, my brother kind of looks panicked, like, oh, man, you just got pulled over. I don't know if it was running a stoplight going too fast. I'm not sure exactly what the details were. He says, no, don't worry about it. Just grab my wallet out of the glove, bo- glove box, Pete. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll get your license and your registration. He says, no, no, just give me the little card in my wallet. Says, okay, hands him the little card. And the officer, she knocks on the window. She says, hey, uh, you know, whatever caught you going fast, going through light, whatever it was, I'm not sure exactly what the infraction was. And... Uh, She says, oh, I need your license and registration. And he says, oh, I'll give you this. Hands her the little car, and she looks at it, and she's like, she kind of laughs and goes, all right, well, you two just drive safe the rest of the time, will you, okay? And have a good day. And they let let him off the hook. And my brother's like, what just happened? What is this little car? Hands it over to him, gives it to my brother. My brother looks at it. Boom. Get out of jail free card. (laughs) So I'm assuming most people are familiar with Monopoly, the classic game of uh, uh, taking over your friends and destroying them and making them cry for seven hours. Uh, You can see my version has been through a lot here. Uh, But yeah, the get out of jail free card is one of the uh, highly touted cards in the game. You don't want to go to jail, you go to jail if you roll doubles three times or something like that. 
uh, and then you have to get out of jail, so this card will get you uh, out of jail. So kind of interesting on that front uh, in terms of all that. But really what I want to talk to you about is the idea of oversimplification. But I can't think of a good way to discuss it, so let's play a game. Are you with me? All right. And what better game to play than the Tom Hanks lousy movie descriptions game? Are you ready? And all credit goes to Sporkle. This is on a website called Sporkle. So let's check this out here. You help me out. See if you can name that Tom Hanks. Everybody familiar with Tom Hanks? Yeah. All right, good. All right, cool. All right, Tom must track down a man in a uniform wanted by the government. Go ahead. You got to shout him out. You got to shout him out. Let's see what we got. Saving Private Ryan. I heard it. Good job. Next one. Uh, Tom must track down a man in a uniform wanted by the government. Come on. Oh, catch me if you can. There you go. Same movie, right? Those are the movies. You see them? All right, next one. Here we go. Tom spends years talking to people who aren't really there. There are many witnesses. Oh, it's a good idea. All right. What do we got? A beautiful day in the neighborhood, the Mr. Rogers movie. All right, next up. Here we go. A single woman finds Tom's late-night phone call so disturbing, she feels compelled to relocate. There it is, Sleepless in Seattle. That was a good movie description, I guess. All right, here we go. We got a couple more. Tom is concerned when his best friend starts showing signs of affection for someone completely delusional. Survey says Toy Story. (laughs) That sounds like Toy Story, right? If I were to summarize the plot for you. All right, here we go, a couple more. Tom's flight goes horribly wrong, and he must apply limited material resources, perseverance, and ingenuity for his survival and return. Castaway. Boom. Next one. Tom's flight goes horribly wrong, and he must apply limited material resources, perseverance, and ingenuity for his survival and return. (laughs) It's a good reference. Uh, Let's see. Apollo 13. Oh, that's a personal favorite. I show that to my students every year. That I can. Not this year. All right, uh, Tom's flight goes horribly wrong, and he must apply limited material resources, perseverance, and ingenuity for his survival and return. Sully. Yeah. <laughs> All right, final one. Tom's flight goes just fine. Hey! All right. But then something goes horribly wrong, and Tom must apply limited material resources, perseverance, and ingenuity for his survival and return. There we go. I think that's all of them, yes? Awesome. Okay, so there you go. So were those descriptions good or were they kind of lousy? Right? The problem is they're oversimplified, correct? And so it gets confusing. We were able to find out maybe because we have extensive, we have Tom Hanks movie buffs, right? But this kind of idea of we get confused because the titles, the descriptions sound so similar, right? There isn't a lot to it. There's not a lot of substance. Obviously, they're purposely vague uh, to try to throw you off. But I think that's kind of the same uh, thing that, that we often do. We oversimplify things. The word oversimplify has a negative connotation to it. Right? We oversimplify things, and we make them confusing. Essentially, they lose their meaning, right? Like, there's nothing to say that the first one could have been Sully, and the second one is cast away, and the third, right? They're all the same, so it doesn't really do a good job. And I'm afraid sometimes we do the same thing when we talk about the good news, Right? Oh, connection time, see it? There you go. Uh, this, is a, this is a sermon I'm titling, Good God Almighty, or 
the gospel according to Monopoly, right? And so, oh, you know what's really ironic? So I dug out this Monopoly game. It was actually in my garage. And literally, I have everything for the game, almost, except the orange get-out-of-jail-free card. Somebody stole my get-out-of-jail-free card. But there's one that comes in yellow. So I know the screen up here has the orange one, but I have the yellow one here. So there's that. But this is the kind of thing we do, right? We focus the gospel so much on, hey, I want you to have this get-out-of-jail-free card. I want you to have this get-out-of-jail-free card. I want you to have this get-out-of-jail-free card, right? I want you to do this. And it's not wrong. What we're doing is not wrong, and it is out of love. We love our family, we love our friends, and we want them to have that same thing with the gospel, right? We want them to have a relationship with Jesus. We want them to be able to um, repent from their sins and be cleaned of that so that they don't have to go to hell, but they can be restored with their maker in heaven. And if you're in the room and you're, you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, that hasn't happened for you, this might be the message that sometimes gets confusing for you. So we want to try to clarify some of those things. See, I think the message of get out of jail free or get out of hell free through Jesus is oversimplified. Uh, The gospel message, uh, we're doing a Bible study with Jim and Carly McDonald, and Jim said something really uh, that I thought was quite profound. If you think about the gospel message, the four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are referred to as the gospels, It's a four-book, multifaceted story, right, about a God that loved his creation so much, he sent his son down, lived amongst them, the birth is a miracle, right, all the things he did on earth, the miracles, uh, death and resurrection. It's this giant story, way too complex for us to understand, right? It's this big, giant story, so we try to boil it down sometimes. Let me give you an example. So I said, hey, you want to play Monopoly with me? And you say, yeah, I love Monopoly. Great, let's play Monopoly. Let's use my copy. Oh, it's just a tray and a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's all there is to it. And you're like, well, well, what about the board? And the dice are fun, and the money. The money's very famous for Monopoly. No, 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 let's just play with the get-out-of-jail-free card. We'll see who gets it first, and then that'll be the end of the game. Right? And we do the same thing. If the game is God... We focus on the get-out-of-jail-free card, you see? And there's so much more. God is so much bigger. The gospel is so much bigger than that. See, I think what we do often is we focus so much of the gospel around uh, being good with God. We're worried about whether we're good with God, but that's not the story of the gospel. The story of the gospel is not you can be good with God. The gospel, the good news is that God is good. It's way bigger than the layers that we give it sometimes. Now, certainly, get-out-of-jail-free card is in Monopoly, and certainly the fact that you can be good with God is contained in the idea that God is good. But we want to make sure that we understand that. And I think even just this, you know, thinking of this as like a conversation between us and and opening up that idea. I don't know that I'm presenting new ideas to you as much as we're kind of going back, right? We're hearing the gospel again, and we're recognizing those good news. I hope more than you hear something new today, maybe you find something profound or new for you. You think about something you've already thought about in a new way. See, at the end of the day, I don't actually think that the hardest thing for people 
is whether there is a God or not, I think we struggle way more. And I'm talking all people. I'm not saying Christians. I'm not saying non-Christians. All people. I think the thing we really struggle with is whether we believe God is good. So what does it mean for God to be good? What is that, right? So a good God is a loving God, right? He's a holy God. He's a God that cares for us. He's a God that thinks about us, that he created us in his own image. If you even go back to Genesis, right? On the first day, God created this, and it was good. On the second day, God created this, and it was good, right? And every day he created things and then said, it was good, right? Because it came from God, and God is good. <laughs> of course, we like things like God is great, God is holy, God is mighty, but think about that idea of God is good, right? God is for you. God wants to see you prosper, right? God created you in his own image uh, in terms of all of those uh, things. So there's a, um, like a podcaster, board, I'm big into board games, many of you know that, um, and whatnot, and there's a, a podcaster I listen to, his name is Richard Hammer, Rado is what he goes by, as a channel Rado runs through, and then he has a podcast Rado talks through. And it's all board games for a while, and then he says, okay, goodbye to everybody who doesn't want to hear about board games, and he kind of does some like personal stuff. And he said something so profound one day, <laughs> to me, it's changed the way I've interacted with people over the last year. And so he said, you know, it's strange. We meet people, and then we say, when we meet people the first time or we're seeing them, we say, oh, what do you do? Right? That's the question. Oh, what do you do? Oh, what's your job? What do you do? Right? What are you studying in school? Right? Maybe the other way. Look at that. We're so focused on the occupation of the person. Right? It's like, oh, well, I file papers for a while, and then I fall asleep on my desk, and then I go get some water. Uh, right? Or our jobs are, I, recently the church had people post, it was like, describe your job in a boring way or something, and I teach math, if you don't know, at an art school, and I love it. Um, but I think I put something like, uh, I try to teach kids things that their parents say they never need to know how to do. <laughs> you can laugh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, and those kind of things. We're so focused on occupation, but what if instead the thing we asked people was, hey, what do you do for fun? What's interesting to you, right? What have you been reading lately? What have you been watching lately? What have you been thinking about lately? That might be tougher questions for people you just met. But think about that question. What do you do for fun? Oh, what do I do for fun? I love Frisbee. I like board games. I like hanging out with my family. I play music. Suddenly, I'm really excited to talk to you. Now, uh, some people have really exciting jobs. You love your jobs. You want to talk about jobs. That's great. You would bring that up. What do you do for fun? Well, actually, my job is really fun. I don't know, it just hit me. Like, why are we so focused on occupation? I think it's the same thing we do here sometimes. We're so focused on God's occupation. Well, what does God do? But we don't ever ask the question, what does God do for fun? God loves bowling and sewing and cross-stitch, right? God loves watching movies. He's in the room there with us. He loves cooking, right? He loves just hanging out. Hey, we're two or more gathered. I'm going to show up right? So think about that. What does God do for fun? That's a good God. A good God Almighty. Do you know the song? Good God Almighty. Have you heard that one very recently? Let's try it out because we're going to have a little, little sing-along later, all right? So I say, tell me, is he good? He's good. Tell me, is he God? He's God. He is. Sing with me. Good God Almighty. Okay, that was terrible. Thanks for trying. So if you don't know, in Alien Youth, um, 
which you, if you're 6th to 12th grade or have kids 6th to 12th grade, you should check out. Uh, get more information from Trevor right here. Uh, we don't sing pretty. We sing... There it is. All right, let's try it again. Tell me, is he good? Tell me, is he God? He is. There it is. Awesome, right? That's what we're singing. We're singing about a God that's good. We sang about those songs here uh, as well. So here's another piece to think about for the gospel, right? Sometimes we're, um, we're thinking about stories in the Bible, right? And we're thinking about, okay, let's take Noah. And we read the story of Noah and one thing we do to try to understand the story is say, okay, well, let me put myself in the story of Noah, right? So Noah and the ark, right, got the animals, the rains came down, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, am I Noah? Am I Noah's kids, right? Am I one of the animals? Am I two by two marching? Am I one of the people who didn't get on the boat, right, that chose to not get on the boat? Who am I in the story? And we're trying to figure out who we are in the story, and it's a great way to try to empathize and try to understand and try to learn something from it. But it's actually not our story. It's Noah's story, right? Think about it for a second. Noah's a real person. He really existed. It's not just, whatever's that, flanograph or whatever, right, that you do for kids in class. Like, he's a real person that really walked. I'm not Noah. I'm not in Noah's story. It's not my story. It's Noah's story, right? And that's the same thing for the gospel. The gospel is not about you but it is for you. And that's a very important distinction. The gospel is a message about a loving God who found a way to reconcile with his creation when they turned away, right? So the gospel is not about you. My wife, Kathy, she said something, again, so profound. This is my theme, I guess, for today. But she was talking about Job, and she was just talking about being stories. And she's like, okay, so it's the same thing, right? I'm in Job's story, and who am I? Am I Job? Am I Job's friends? Am I Job's wife? Am I, you know, who am I in this story? I'm trying to figure out who I am. And she's like, but what if, what if we're not any of those characters? What if we're Job's kids? Act one, scene one. Job's kids die. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, thanks for my casting. <laughs> I'll have a great day. Um, but in terms of, right? And it's true. We always try to put ourselves as the main character. But what if we're the extras? What if we're the extras? And in the story of Jesus, boy, am I glad to be an extra, right? Because I get to participate in the story in the kingdom because I'm an extra. Because if the story in the gospel was about me, I'm sorry to all of you. It would not go so well. So I'm glad that it's not about me. So just another thing to think, right? The gospel is that God is good. It's not a story about me, but it is for me. The gospel is for me. Awesome. All right. So one thing we would say is we'd say, well, yeah, but what about God's mercy and God's grace and all those kind of things? Isn't that a big part of what salvation is all about? Absolutely. But God's mercy and God's grace flow out of the fact that he is a good and loving God, right? A good and loving God finds a way to provide grace and mercy to those that he loves. So we want to be careful with oversimplifying the story right? But that doesn't mean that simplifying is a bad thing. I love dichotomies. I love when it's like, oh, wait a second. See, oversimplifying is a bad thing, but simplifying, that's good. That's a good thing to do. 
I mean, my job essentially is to simplify complex mathematics into bite-sized pieces for people to understand on a day-to-day basis, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm simplifying them down. And in this year, I've been making videos. I try to make videos that are less than five minutes that my students can watch and rewatch and go, okay, I finally get it. I finally understand, right? And practice problems and work together and all sorts of other things to simplify that down. In fact, simplifying is a mathematical term. There's actually a mathematical operation of simplifying things. So simplifying is really helpful, okay? And so pulling a message into a story and saying, God is good, God loves you, God cares for you, God wants to be with you for the rest of time is a great simplifying story. It's not wrong. Make sure you hear me on that, okay? <laughs> simplifying things down. And that's why things like Hebrews 9, 27 and 28 or John 3, 16 are verses that we love so much. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's such a wonderful simplification of what's going on. But let's not lose sight of the big picture, that God is good. That's the news we want to spread to people, right? We want to make sure uh, that we look at those kind of things. So I think when we're trying to spread the news that God is good, but we're trying to give it in a simple way, an amazing way you can do that is to tell your story. Tell your story in a simplified way. Let's go to the Bible. This is John chapter 9. Jesus heals a blind man. Uh, As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told, them, uh, told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. And then I'm skipping ahead to verse 24. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Here it is. Ready? He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. (laughs) I was blind, but now I see. That's his story. It's literally his story, right? (laughs) We like to sing it. We like to say it. But it's his story. 
He's telling his story. And that line is very profound, right? I don't know. You want me to have all this intelligence? You want me to understand all these complex things and all these details? And I don't know that. I just know I experienced a God who was good. And he was good to me. And I think that's such a key piece of when we are experiencing things from God, right? Or when we're, we're getting that simplification is when we're saying, these are my experiences. Because God is not a God, he is also a God to be learned about, but he's not a God to just be learned about. It's not an academic hill to climb. God is personal, he's relational. And these verses and simplifications, sometimes oversimplifications, are ways that we express that experience that we have with God, right? The message, the good news is something that kids can understand. It's something that we don't have to do anything to obtain. And sometimes we oversimplify and we make it sound like any other religion or any other belief, but it's not. It's totally different. It's radically different in terms of all those things. So that's what I want you to do. Remember that the good news is that God is good. Tell people that and tell them your story. And when you tell them God is good, they're going to say, but how do you know God is good? And you're going to say, because God was good to me. Right? And that's your response. I was blind, but now I see. Tell your story. Find your story uh, and tell it to people. All right. So here we go. We are going to do this AY style. I'm going to need Kathy and Trevor and Zephra to help me out. Everybody's getting free money today. Woo! That, well, come on. Is it hot or something? All right. But we are not handing money out in the Ingala sophisticated way. This is the alien youth way of getting money. So everybody needs some money. Grab you can take a bill or two, whatever it is, Monopoly money, you're going to take that, take one or two of them. Don't worry, Tom's going to sweep up afterwards, so make a big mess. <laughs> if you don't get any, let us know. Free money Sunday. I was told it's no restrictions Sunday, so... Giving out free money to everybody. Sorry at home. But if you have a Monopoly game, you can do this at home as well and participate with us. If you didn't get any money, let us know and we'll throw some at you. I'll be glad to. <laughs> All right. So you could take that bill. I wanted to give everybody a get-out-of-jail-free card, but my budget for buying 150 Monopoly games was a little low. So I was like, you know what? We'll take the money out of Monopoly, which is as iconic, I would say, right? A uh, little known fact, uh, every year more money, Monopoly money is printed than U.S. Treasury money. There you go. There's your little fact of the week. So, so you'll take that, I want you to put it in your wallet or put it next to your mirror or put it someplace you get dressed or in your book bag, purse, in your car, right by your speedometer, whatever it is, okay? And when you see that, it's going to remind you Yes, there's a get-out-of-jail-free card, but God is good, right? And it's in your wallet, and you see it, and you can tell people about it or not. It's just in there. When you open your wallet, you have it. If your wallet's like mine, you can't, I can't put money in my wallet. Mine's teeny tiny, little Velcro wallet. 
but put it someplace where you'll see that. And then on the back side, you should see Kathy wrote on many of them, a couple of them are mine. It says, I was blind, but now I see. Right? Reminding you of the blind man's story and to tell your story. God is good. Tell your story. Okay? So you can put that in there. If you prefer to be creative or have your own story, I left some dollar bills blank, and you can have one of these, and you can write your own story on the back and put it in your wallet. But do it, right? There's so many of those things we don't do. We get it, and then we put it somewhere. It's not going to work for everybody, but it's going to be a good reminder. Even if it's that every time you open your wallet, you're reminded God is good, that's a good time to be remembered. Because sometimes we open our wallets, and we don't remember that God is good, right? So do that. Awesome. Well, that's not what I came to talk to you about today, though. <clears throat> I came to talk to you about music. I am an impassioned musician. That is, that is definitely the word I would use. I adore music, uh, and I think it, it makes a strong connection. And so uh, we're going to do a little sing-along here. So I went to Facebook, uh, the uh, you know, social media capital of the world. And I had people tell me some famous opening lines to songs. So let's see if you can sing along with me on these famous opening lines. All right, let's start with this one. Is this the real life? Is this <laughs> awesome, good job. Bohemian Rhapsody from Cream. How about this one relating to what we said? Amazing grace. <laughs> Keep going. Good job. Keep going. Hey, there it is. See? <laughs> nice. Good job. All right. How about this one? Now, this is a story all about how my life... All right, good. <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song, well done. Hello, darkness. Nice. Simon and Garfunkel. I like big. <laughs> you could say butts in church, it's okay. We have if, ands, and butts in church. All right. Uh, it's nine o'clock on a Saturday. And then last one, this is for the kids. Baby. Baby shark do 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 do. Baby shark do 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 do. If I accomplish one thing today, it's that all your kids and all of you are singing that as you exit the church today. You're welcome. All right. Awesome. So those are opening lines of songs. They're famous. We remember them. We use music. Music has emotion, it has passion, it has the ability to help us memorize and remember things. So I really enjoy that. But there's this concept in music that people that play with me or know me know I love. And it's something called the tagline. So the tagline is a final line of a song. And often it's the end of the song and it doesn't, it's not a repeat. It's not like when you repeat the chorus and you kind of finish the song. It's literally a line whose lyrics are separate from the other part of the song. It could also be some kind of repeat. And it's kind of what you leave people with, right? Whether it be a question, an emotion, it summarizes the feelings of the song, things like that. Now, my favorite, Counting Crows, uh, Adam Duritz, 
often, if you see us practicing, uh, you will see us end a song if we don't know how to end it. Yeah! That's all he does at the end of lots of songs. So we do, we do that one as well. But I had people put down some of their favorite uh, taglines for songs. So again, Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen. Nothing really matters to me. And then it actually goes, any way the wind blows. Right? So you think about that one uh, in terms of that. Uh, my brother reminded me, actually, of Pink Floyd and the end of the Dark Side of the Moon album, which is one of the greatest albums of all time, concept album about life, death, and everything in between. Um, and uh, the last line of the entire album is a tagline, and it's actually my senior quote when I graduated, and it's, everything under the sun is in tune, but the sun is eclipsed by the moon. Yes, I wear two different colored shoes. We get it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, somebody else put for Dave Matthews Band, a uh, song called Granny. Hope I find you feeling healthy. I'm so glad our paths crossed this time today. And then I really liked uh, this one. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dave Luza, who lives in Germany. I believe he's from Amsterdam. <laughs> I meet up with him when I go to some conventions and things. Really great guy. And he left me one that is in Dutch by Okta and de Munich. Uh, I'm not going to do the Dutch, but the translation is, if you leave me, can I come with? I love that. That's a great tagline, right? It's a question. Leave people with a question. If you leave me, can I come with? And uh, one of my favorites from the Counting Crows, all I really know is I want to know, and all I really know is I don't want to know. I love these taglines. And so what I want to do is I want us to find our tagline. Remember the good news that God is good, and tell your story and maybe find your tagline. What's your tagline? What's that thing that you want to leave people with? Whether it's when they don't see you anymore or you're gone or whatever it is, what's your tagline? What's the thing that people... It's not a gimmick. Don't think of it like a gimmick, right? But what's your tagline? So I want to leave you with one of my favorite songs and my favorite taglines, and I'm going to sing with my favorite person, Kathy. Sorry, it's just true. <laughs> what's... <laughs> <laughs> nah. uh, so I want to sing a song by David Crowder So we did not write this And it's called Holy Yours And the opening line of the song Is I am full of earth You are heaven's worth I am stained with dirt Prone to depravity And the tag Tagline of the song Is now I'm full of earth and dirt And you That's my tagline That's how I try to think <clears throat> and try to work through everything, right? The difference is God. The difference in me is nothing of my own, that none should boast, but the difference is that God chose me and chose to be in me so that now I'm earth and dirt and you. Stained with dirt, prone to depravity. Why everything that is bright and clean, the end. 